Welcome back to our Princeton Christian Fellowship Bible Study Podcast. My name is Anna McGill, and this is episode 1.5. That is to say, it's just a short postscript to our first episode on Genesis 1. In this mini episode, I just wanted to take a few minutes to address the creation versus evolution debate, which might be the first thing that many of you think of when you read Genesis 1. But before we go into it, I want to define our terms. What is the creation versus evolution debate? That actually is not a simple question, because this phrase has been used to cover a bunch of things over the last hundred years. And depending on your personal background or your church background, you might have heard it a lot or very little. Sometimes when people speak of the creation versus evolution debate, they really mean it as a shorthand for the larger faith versus science debate, with the idea that faith and science are an either-or. Either you can accept religious faith, or you can accept science. But the two cannot go together. And we definitely want to reject that dichotomy. Just to give an example of how you can affirm both faith and science, I want to quote a few lines from a statement that came out last month called, A Christian Statement on Science for Pandemic Times which has currently been signed by 6,000 people and counting, including professors at Cornell, Oxford, and our own chemistry professor, Dr. Bacarsley from Princeton. Its larger purpose is to advocate respect for scientific findings in these COVID days, but I want to pull out some sentences that show how faith can form the foundation for scientific investigation. Quote, We, the undersigned, joined together as Christians who uphold the authority of God's word and see science as a tool to understand God's world. We firmly reject claims that science has somehow shown God does not exist or faith is mere superstition. Such claims go beyond what science is capable of investigating. Then further down, the Bible teaches that our bodies are fearfully and wonderfully made by God. And as Christians, we know that all truth, including scientific truth, is ultimately from God. So all these scientists who sign this statement are saying that their faith in God and the Bible informs and undergirds their scientific study. So I just want to encourage you that if you feel like faith and science are separated in your mind and in your life, don't be satisfied with compartmentalizing your life like that, but really wrestle with what it means that all truth, including scientific truth, is ultimately from God. There are a lot of good and thoughtful resources out there that can help you draw these things together into one coherent understanding of the world. And I encourage you to look into this more if this is an area that feels really fragmented for you. So the second and more specific meaning of the creation versus evolution debate is generally understood as Did God create the world out of nothing in the space of six 24-hour days, or did it develop over millions of years through evolution? Now, again, I wouldn't necessarily accept this dichotomy because there are many who believe that God may have created wholly or partially using the mechanics of evolution. But particularly in American church history, this has historically been an either-or question. We would have to go through a whole church history lesson to understand why that is, which as a former history major, I wouldn't mind. But this was made particularly famous 100 years ago during the Scopes trial when a teacher, John Scopes, 
was publicly and notoriously tried for violating a Tennessee law that made it unlawful to teach human evolution in any state-funded school. This trial really cemented the cultural idea that Christian faith and evolutionary science were at war and that you had to pick a side. So most commonly, when people say, do you believe in creation or evolution? They are asking if you believe the world was created in six days with God or over millions of years without God. So what do we do with this debate? Well, I think the first step is to not accept the terms of this debate. As Christians, our question has to be, what does the scripture intend to teach us? As we discussed in our previous podcast, Genesis 1 clearly teaches us that God created the world. But what does it teach us about the scientific particularities of this creation? What did the author intend to communicate when he wrote, there was evening and morning the third day? What kind of day was he speaking of? What is the grouping of different kinds of created beings on different days meant to show? Is it meant to show the time sequence of creation or a different kind of ordering? These are all legitimate interpretive questions that many thoughtful people have investigated. And if you're interested, there's a lot more reading you could do on this topic. We will link to a few websites from different perspectives that will give you plenty of articles to explore further these really tough interpretive questions. What I am saying is that we want to affirm that the Bible, including Genesis 1, is an authoritative teaching for our life, but it is not always easy to know what the Bible is trying to say. I want to read a paragraph from a pamphlet by Vern Poitras, a seminary professor and math PhD who has written on this topic. He writes, quote, In the life of a Christian, the challenges are not always simple. Where the Bible speaks clearly, we can be confident. Even though the Bible is infallible, however, we as interpreters of the Bible are not. If there appears to be a conflict between the Bible and science, we have to inspect whether the science has failed because of its fallibility. But we also have to inspect whether we have failed to understand the Bible rightly. Maybe the failings are simple, but maybe they are not. We cannot tell until we have looked. And he continues, Many people today think that only an interpretation that holds to 24-hour days in Genesis 1 does justice to the divine authority of the Bible. We should respect these people for wanting to make sure that the Bible retains its full authority as the Word of God. At the same time, we need to listen carefully to people who offer alternate views and who also affirm the divine authority of the Bible. End quote. So the rest of Poitras's pamphlet looks at various Christian interpretations of Genesis, such as young earth creationism, the mature creation theory, the revelatory day theory, the gap theory, the local creation theory, and more. And it provides some helpful comments on how to evaluate these different proposals. It's just a 30-page pamphlet, and it's available for free online. So I really recommend that if you need a next step in finding out more about how to interpret Genesis 1, that you take an hour and read that. I will put the link in the show notes for you. So to wrap up, I want to say that these are important matters, and I hope that you will spend some time considering them. And I am by no means as expert or as well-read in these areas as many other people, and I hope that you will surpass me in knowledge and understanding. But although it can be fruitful to dive into the interpretive discussions surrounding Genesis, 
and to seek to understand where evolutionary science fits in or does not fit in with biblical revelation, we don't want to lose sight of the main thing. The first line of the Apostles' Creed, one of the oldest and most widely accepted creeds of the Christian Church, begins, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. So we want to end with an appreciation that God is our creator and that we are his creation, and therefore we worship God and not ourselves. As Revelation 4 verse 11 says, Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. Amen. Thanks for listening, everyone. God bless.